We welcome uh, James Foringer, uh, Foringer, uh, the district executive for PennDOT, the northwestern uh, district here. So you're up from Oil City, right, James? That's, that's correct. Thanks for coming and making the trip up here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And Jill, a press officer, welcome back. Oh, thank you. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Jim, uh, this is a family show, so we kind of get uh, a little ch- uh, idea of origin stories. You gr- did you grow up in the region here, or are you transplant? Um, I'm a, somewhat of a transplant. I actually grew up south of Pittsburgh in Washington, PA, and I uh, live in Moon Township, PA, by Greater Pittsburgh Airport. Oh, okay. So that's a bit of a commute, huh? Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's a big area, though, so no matter where you're going right. to commute in You're going to be driving, yeah. Yep. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, a lot of us use that. 376 uh you know that what it, that's actually mm-hmm. does is that the um the turnpike kind of runs the uh the beaver valley expressway there um a piece of it okay from chippewa to just yeah well, well that's the way i go to the airport because yeah. mm-hmm. it's just one of those easier routes you know if you don't want to fight 79 traffic mm-hmm. or whatever um we're, but we're talking about erie we're staying focused on erie and so uh yeah we'll, we can talk yeah. about our our tips and tricks to get around pittsburgh another day but uh and, and we're we're talking about uh you know some of the plans you guys have been working hard uh, there's a 30 million dollar budget when it comes to this bayfront uh connector so let's start at the beginning here what prompted another look at what's going on with the Bayfront Parkway and so on. Um, we actually started back in 2015 to 17 with a with the study of the Bayfront. So it was the Bayfront from 12th Street on the east side to 12th Street on the west side. Okay. So we looked at that whole corridor because there have been some concerns and through the uh, Erie Metropolitan Planning Organization, we funded a study to study the Bayfront. And, and uh, I'm looking at some of your purpose and need mm-hmm. statements here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80 crashes. Is that usually a red flag for you guys? Yeah, definitely. The crash history is, is a red flag for looking at things. We always look for our crash cluster locations and what improvements can be done. So that's one of the flags mm-hmm. that, that we look at. And then just the there have been speed issues on the bayfront. So that's why our, the calming effects and trying to slow traffic downs come into place. And looking at those crashes... A lot of, and evaluating them, a lot of them show they're speed related also. So there, there are like, there's like tools in your toolbox mm-hmm. when you want to slow something down. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah. uh, we, and we talk about things like uh, roundabouts or rumble strips and, and, uh, but there's, you know, there's also things like, you know, uh, I would imagine that some places where you basically, you know, narrow the streets or, or so how does, how does that work? What are some of those tools? Well, I would say, I mean, you start on the soft side, if we can change driver behavior, that's where our safety press officer and, and Jill come in to try to change that driver behavior before we have to change the roadway and try Mm. to educate drivers and slow them down. And that's a challenge quite honestly. So then, you know, beyond that, then we do look at, you know, what signing can be put in place, you know, the, you know, can we narrow the lanes at times to slow things down? Yeah. You know, and there's a whole lot of other things we can look at, like even the centerline rumble strips, if there's crossover, hist- you know, crash accidents and things like that. A lot of data goes into this, right, Jill, as yes. far as yes. what, when you when you an- analyze this thing. there, But there's a sense of entitlement that goes with driving on a road like, well, just about any road, but the, the Bayfront seems to have carried a, a sense of entitlement that they that a lot of people think that this is my zoom, zoom, no lights all the way to the east side. And that's not necessarily 
what the original intent for that that road was. It was an access road, correct? Yeah, that that's correct. It was to gain access to the bayfront to help redevelop it. Yeah. So it served its purpose from that standpoint. Yeah. What, what we found is a lot of a lot of folks are using it for crosstown commutes. Is I think where that entitlement comes from that they want to mm-hmm. you know have a high speed commute across town, and that's why we're also looking at 12th Street for what improvements we can make there. You know, and to get folks across town. And that and that was we've already kind of made a run at that. You know, maybe 10 years ago when we re-signed 12th Street, made it 290 so that if you were from out of town, you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. that's my, what you call it, a spur or a loop or whatever, you yeah. know, in, in, yeah. in parlance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a bypass. Bypass, so, right? Yeah. And, but, uh, but the Erie folk have a hard time thinking about 12th. If they're at all close to the Bayfront, they jump mm-hmm. down to try to get, to get out. Um, and, and so do you think that that's part of the issue that you're studying insofar as, I guess, I guess my, my, my point is, 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 is it, is it PennDOT's job to follow the motorists or is it your job to instruct the motorists or a little bit of both? Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. So out of our study, so we identified multiple projects to look at. Mm-hmm. So besides the Bayfront at State Street, Holland and Sass is one of those areas. We are looking at 12th Street. So we are looking at, we're starting a project to see what we can do to improve 12th Street further mm-hmm. and get more traffic flow across there to, so folks are encouraged to use 12th Street. And then on the Bayfront East side, you know, we identified some speed issues and we're looking at a safety project there for traffic calming. Okay. And, and again, when you say traffic calming, it might mean rumble strips. It might mean a barrier. What do you? What well, do you it could about? be you know, again narrowing those lanes, looking at you know creating a boulevard type effect. There's actually some recent studies that we've been made aware of that even with line striping, you know, you know different patterns make people think they're going faster and cause them to slow down. So there's a lot of other That's techniques and research going on out there. Is that kind of what you're doing out on uh, on if you're acquainted with the mm-hmm. East 38th Street? Where they mm-hmm. they kind of made it's not really a bike lane, but it kind of is for bikes, and so it's got hash marks. Is that a little bit what you're talking about? Well, for the bike lanes, just to let you know that you may have a bike lane that's actually striped off and with a with the the, the insignia, on the roadway yeah. with the insignia on the mm-hmm. roadway, but then you might have what are called sharrows. So they're meant to share the. I share think the that's road what this is. is what they're putting out there, and if you notice. The little nuance with the sharrows, they don't have a, a rider on them, so it's meant to share the road uh, okay. with bikes and cars. <laughs> we're trying we're trying to uh you know give sign language to motorists yeah, so that they yeah. can again that thirty eighth street's another one where it's you know, it's posted twenty five and people think that it's an interstate, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's there's a lot of education that goes involved mm-hmm. with this. Uh, hey, if you want to be educated, if you have an opinion about this, our phone lines are available at six seven nine ten eighty. We're talking to Penn dot six seven nine one zero eight zero. And um, you know the the um, there there have you noticed? And when you did your study, when you did your data get, mm-hmm. uh, collection, is there just a lot more traffic on the bayfront than maybe the last time you looked at it? Yeah, traffic has increased. Plus, we also know there's a lot of great things happening in Erie. The the we try, well, you know, this is an, involved with the Erie refocus. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of development planned on the Bayfront, so we've also recognized that the 
the volume is going to increase of traffic on the bayfront. So we're taking all that into account and looking at the ultimate ultimate solution. Yeah, one of one of your metrics is this called level of service, right? That's correct. And so. Um, uh, again, according to the purpose and need uh, statement, existing level of service service for the intersection of State Street and Bayfront Parkway is a D for the morning drive peak, and the future year level of service is projected to be an F with the pro- proposed Bayfront development. Are you getting, uh, does PennDOT get pressure from landowners in that area about, you know what, we're going to need more robust whatever um yeah we oftentimes get contacted with developers and and what the road needs are and then we work with them depending upon the development and the local ordinances at times they're required to mitigate their impact but we look within that level of service though so and then the level of service is a through f it's just like when we were in in, in grade, grade school, school yeah you know, so so once, once we reach an F, we know that it's failing and you really can't do any more improvements unless you do something major to improve that level of service. So, yeah, I mean, again, go, talking about how much is education, how much is remediation, mm-hmm. if, if, if the public refuses to be educated, you're, you're kind, of, kind of left stuck a little bit. That's correct. And the one thing with the level of service at the, on the Bayfront and at State, Holland, and Sass is Erie has a great city grid roadway system so that's the other thing we're trying to evaluate is you know if folks can change their behavior their driving and take other routes in and out of town yeah yeah that'd be interesting is the funding coming from this from the gas tax is that where a lot of the ability to do all these new uh, um, yes that's part of the funding part of it is uh federal funding from federal highway administration also okay. So there's been some increase that way, you think? Uh, no, unfor- from the feds? unfortunately, there hasn't been an increase. Okay. <laughs> so that's why we needed to have a state increase. And gotcha. we still have way more needs than we have funds available. Well, I, I'm down to like uh, eight minutes with you, James. So I want to make yeah. sure that we stay focused on the Bayfront. Because uh, like I w- I've been promoting, this probably is the most, as far as for the future of Erie and and. And all, it's it's basically the most important intersection in in uh, in the Erie proper, and so you're 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 facing multiple options of what to do with state and um, and Bayfront, and uh, and you know some of this is to you know keep you know to uh, you know kind of keep uh, stuff moving through bridges, and then maybe a surface roundabout. That's I'm looking at. Uh, uh, alternative two, where you would you would have some fly unders, if you will, that's correct. and uh, and then uh, a connection with state with a, a roundabout. That's one way. Then there's a uh, a, a grade, um, you know, just basically big old signals, um, you know, on that one. Well, there. Actually, that is the other option we're looking at at state. Is it's still grade separated? So it is grade separated. Uh, yeah, so so there's a fly grade. under again. So there's a fly under, and then instead of having a roundabout on top, it's a signalized intersection. Yeah, with, I, it with, makes you wonder grades. if you know how, like with this with this alternative three, uh, it makes you wonder how many cars would be turning on state or not. You know. Well, our our traffic collection uh, data that we have, it it shows that 80% of the traffic will go through State Street and go underneath. 
80% will go through underneath. Underneath. And 20% would go to state, to north, state to make or track. south. Yeah. Okay. That, and that's why the grade separation is such a great alternative, because that will right. have a calming effect on State Street mm. and look to make mm-hmm. the connection back to the Bayfront that's really important with this project also. Right. And then uh, this one here is the, I think we're adding the the the, fl- the uh, pedestrian walkways, or is, is there, that's that's totally at grade, isn't that? Yeah, this one is totally at grade with a walkway. We actually have another one that we're developing is with the grade separation with with a walkway over top. That's an iconic walkway over top. And and that seems to be, you know, the 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 big deal of 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 being multimodal. And I and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing that in all of your documents is that that it's first mm-hmm. the first thought is to be multimodal yeah, correct? absolutely can That's you can, can you explain it for the average joe what that even means i understand it but yeah, i'm well, a geek that way yeah when we talk multimodal <laughs> first off we actually have a program called pendot connects so we reach out to the communities and, and through the environmental process we actually want to make sure we're taking into account every mode of transportation so when we say multimodal that means transit pedestrians bicyclists you know, you got a port of Erie right here, mm-hmm. and there's a railroad. So pretty yeah. much right there at state. And when you say multimodal, the only thing we don't have is the airport. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And we don't want any planes yeah. landing on the yeah. on the on the the, the port. But yeah. uh, you know, and so uh, you know, the, I guess I guess the question is, you know, like like you said, mm-hmm. if you if you if you slow traffic down, um, you know, uh, there's there's uh it, it goes against maybe some of the some of the the needs and what the data is saying just of the sheer volume you're That's dealing right. with an f and it would exasperate the issue yeah well with uh, when i say level of service we're dealing with service, an f, yeah. yeah well yeah and in, in year 2040 we show that it's going to be a failing level of service mm-hmm. it's a d currently right so that's what we, you know, so we're trying to balance the needs of the pedestrians and connecting the community back to the bayfront with, with reducing the congestion. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why these options, you know, by, say, a pedestrian bridge takes them out of that mix of the traffic right. is why those are appealing. It, it would seem to me it would be pretty difficult to be a pedestrian. I, I'm thinking about the roundabout in Waterford, which I, I love. Mm-hmm. I love the, water, the Waterford roundabout. But it would seem to me that I'm not looking for pedestrians at that intersection. I'm looking for merging cars and trying to determine what their intention is, you know, that next exit of the roundabout over. You know, the one thing about the roundabout is that you're slowing down when you're getting there. Mm -hmm. So you're already going at a slower pace where you can react. If there is a pedestrian, they're not crossing in the roundabout. They're not walking Mm -hmm. there. They're coming before you would be yielding to go in the roundabout and they're, and they're only crossing one direction of traffic at a time. So they're stopping in the middle and they're able then to interact with the drivers as needed. Okay. So because the drivers are approaching that intersection slower and the pedestrians are running across where the traffic is going the fastest, you know, everybody is able to pay attention to each other a little more there. But if we did have the bridges, if the pedestrian bridges that, that just mm-hmm. takes them out of the equation altogether, that right? takes yes. them out of the equation, but you still need some access even if you have the pedestrian bridges so folks don't take those pedestrian bridges. Uh, 
you know, so that's that's the other part of what we're looking at. So kind of what Jill said, the roundabouts, they create a safe harbor between the lanes. You're only crossing one lane at a time. Okay. So we're actually looking at a mix is, is where we're um, kind of acquiescing around with the Bayfront. So, uh, so explain what it would look like. Okay, if I'm... Uh, if I'm coming from, uh, you know, from the west side and I'm going towards the library and I want to keep going through, we are still talking about a tunnel to get to the east side. Is that correct? Yeah, an underpass to, underpass. Get, to get through State Street. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't encounter the roundabout at that point. If well, I want, go ahead. Well, to, to, at Sassafras and Holland, so we're looking oh. at, you know, roundabouts there. That Now that gives you the traffic calming and the slowing while still keeping the movement. So that's the one thing about, you know, a roundabout, it really does reduce congestion. They're a lot more efficient than a signal, mm-hmm. you know, but they also slow traffic and calm traffic down. How, how do you feel that so eerie far. people do with, with the merging and the roundabouts and stuff? I, I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 we have that zipper merge on, on West 38th street that people, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just starting to get used to that one. Yeah, we recognize anytime you have a different traffic pattern, there's a learning curve that, mm-hmm. that folks have to get used to. And, you know, that's why we encourage people to slow down and pay attention, you know, stay yeah. off their cell phones and Amen. be aware. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the cell phone thing, unreal. So, okay, so, so the, the, again, with, the, with the, where you're, where you're kind of heading, you, there's definitely going to be an underpass on both sides. So, if I, again, if I'm at the library and I'm, I'm heading to 79, I could avoid. I, I might have a. I might have a roundabout at Holland, but then I'm coming understate That's and correct. just keep keep going and all of another roundabout at SAS. What when you when you talk about SAS and the the concept of all that egress coming out of the convention center and the the hotels mm-hmm. and whatever development's going to happen on the mm-hmm. pier that's what you're concerned about, right? That, that's absolutely. We need to t- maintain that access to all those facilities and and then at peak volumes of traffic to move out of a, the convention center. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about the Bayfront Parkway and in general, uh, some of the major projects that PennDOT's doing this summer. The cones are out. Yes. Yeah, it's all orange. Uh, that's orange is Jill Harry's favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> Am I a little accurate sure, on that? Sure, I'll go with that. <laughs> She's the district press officer for the Department of Transportation up here in the Northwestern District. They're based out of Oil City. And, um, and uh, you know, later on, we'll, we'll talk to some, you know, folks that are bike enthusiasts. We'll talk about some other ideas for the Bayfront. Um, if you have a question, 679-1080, 679-1080. And again, um, we can't, uh, you know, di- dispute the fact that this, the, especially when we're talking about the Bayfront Parkway, it's a major investment. We're talking about a $30 million project mm-hmm. i mean talk about that jill um well i'm not sure what do you mean <laughs> well i mean i mean i mean that's a significant investment yes. i mean that's yes, a, that's one of we, the bigger projects for erie county yes and when we look at a project like this and we have a price tag like that we have to look at all of the details and figure out how do we look at all three of those intersections make as many improvements or the best value of improvements for that whole, whole corridor. So that's where we are in the process of evaluating what can we do to make improvements at all three locations and give the best value to the taxpayers. Yeah. And, you know, and in, incorporate all of those things that you were talking about earlier with multimodal. So mm-hmm. we don't want to just think about how do we move the traffic, motorized traffic best, 
But we also want to know how do we make it more pedestrian friendly and how do we make it more bicycle friendly? Uh, 679-1080 is the number to call if you want to weigh in. It, 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 and I'm looking at the purpose and need statement for the Bayfront Parkway project. And you can get this, by the way. It's bayfrontparkwayproject.com. It's right there. That, I, love, I love how... Uh, transparent that the state government has become yes this, the web the websites are amazing yeah and this state. and this project actually has several ways to get the information so one that you listed there you can also go to the pendot district one website which is pendot.gov slash district one and you'll see a link it says bayfront project you click on it a lot of the same information there as well including the um results of the feedback we got from our first uh, set of public meetings for this project yeah and and again a guy like me goes down to i guess it was church of the nativity mm -hmm. where all of this all of the maps were put up and and, and they were asking our input and so there's an op opportunity there uh, there's a purpose and need statement on that website and, and one of the needs i want to uh, point out here is the mobility need that the tra multimodal transportation connections between downtown erie and the bayfront north south are lacking the bayfront parkway has limited existing transit service in the project area lack of consistent pedestrian bicycle facilities along or parallel to the bayfront parkway lack of viable connections for pedestrians and bicycles between downtown and the surrounding neighborhoods to the Bayfront. And um, the Bayfront Parkway acts as a barrier to pedestrians and bicycle, bicyclists traveling from downtown Erie to the Bayfront area. And, and some, of that, some of those conclusions came from Erie Refocus, which is, again, the comprehensive plan. And so we here we have people trying to work together on, on some of the planning that's already happened. And, you know, how do we make, you know, how do we thread this needle mm -hmm of serving you know of, of getting people to where they need to go especially in to the bayfront assets yet uh, allowing more mobility more uh, opportunity to connect and so uh, one of the things you were saying is the the concept of maybe the roundabouts at sas and at holland would necessarily slow traffic down uh in between there as we're going to state is that an accurate statement uh, it would, yes. And I just want to point out when we did those um, public meetings back in December, one of the things that we did that was unique for this project was we had a, a map and people were able to go up and take one of the printouted maps and they were able to pinpoint this is where I try to cross the street or would like to cross yeah. the street. This is where I have difficulties when I'm riding my bike and stuff because we don't want to just guess what the pedestrian and the bicycle traffic is up to we want to do studies and we want to talk to people so we got a lot of feedback to help us make these decisions moving forward with this project would you say that um, since the first rollout the has the biggest um the biggest additive uh, idea has been thinking about maybe uh, these pedestrian uh bridges we did get a lot of feedback that people were very interested in that concept yes yeah and, and so would they, would they necessarily i mean if we're talking about bicycling this, uh, I mean, is is that part of the plan right now or would they be following those pathways? I, I, tell me how that would work. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know exactly okay. where we are in that part of it. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not that's involved fine. in that. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, you, you did mention that, uh, you, you know, what you're seeing out in the county and in the region in District 1 here is that the, the you're getting the desired effect from these roundabouts yes. and again you know people either love them like me 
or hate them. Uh, yeah, or, it's a, yeah, it's a learning curve, like Jim mentioned earlier. So a lot of people, if they haven't used them ever or not very frequently, they, they're a little nervous about them. And what we have actually found is that they do exactly what we think that they're going to do, which is they slow the traffic down at those intersections. Um, they move the traffic through. So we've looked at all of our um, roundabouts statewide that have been open for at least three years, and we found that they reduced fatal and serious um, crashes to zero. So we wow. 11 roundabouts we looked at in that study and no fatal or serious injury injury crashes. So they are increasing safety at, at the intersections where we're building them. More locally, we built a few there in Sagertown, which is part of Crawford County, and we built two. Um, in that community and one near where people were exiting both an industrial area and a school almost simultaneously. So prior to the roundabout, quite a traffic back up there at certain times of the day. Now, um, significantly less people are getting through that intersection um, much, much faster than they were before. And the community is very satisfied with what has happened there. Talk about, as we're talking about roundabouts, talk about this idea of a, of a two lane roundabout. How does that work? Uh, it's it varies based on the intersection okay. where it's being built. So. Well, you're thinking about what a two-laner, I, I want to, was that the one at the five points area, Flower and um, Oliver? Maybe I'm wrong No, it's, it's just a single lane that's there. It's a single lane one. there? Mm-hmm. Okay. There, isn't there a two-laner that, that's being considered somewhere here? We are building a, a hybrid multi-lane one there, and um, again, in Crawford County. At okay. what uh, the local community refers to as the big eye or the big intersection. So it's up there. Um, what is 98, 322 and six, right? Yes. And um, so it's near sheets. If you're a local yes. person there and you like to use landmarks. So, mm-hmm. and that's underway now. So we've started that this summer. And, and it, the, the, the idea is that uh, um, it's just to be able to move, you know, double the amount of cars or, what, um, what, just, why the two it, lanes? Yeah, it depends on the traffic volume. So okay. if it's a higher traffic volume, then you'll you'll need those two lanes. And 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 then that one there, it is built to, to handle the type of traffic that comes through that intersection. So it's a hybrid and it has a slightly different layout than what might you might see at the okay. bayfront because of where people the volume of excuse me the volume of traffic that wants to turn in certain directions. I see, I see, and I would imagine. That that's a larger circle. I mean, yeah, it would have to be a larger circle because I mean, you're having to merge back and forth. If you're sometimes you might have to change the lane depending on where you're coming from and where you yeah. want to go. And you have trucks that are taking these. Not, uh, oh, yeah. You know. No matter the size of the roundabout, we always consider what type of truck traffic okay. might go through there and they can accommodate that. OK, so um, so, you know, what are some other, you know, in, in your experience, we we talk about. You know, that a roundabout itself slows down traffic. Yes. Are there other, like, again, are there other options that you have? Um, you know, the, um, Jim, uh, James talked about narrowing lanes and things like that to, to just make, make something more kind of, a, you know, just more of a, not urban, but just a slower approach uh, is, you know, what are some of those things? Uh, I mean, rumble strips, is that what we're talking about here? I guess we are. I mean, I, rumble strips stuff. wouldn't necessarily be considered here because we're talking about an urban environment. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I think, you know, whenever we go in to do these types of projects, we have to look at the whole situation that's happening there, where people are coming from, where they're trying to go, where we anticipate things might change, traffic volumes. You know, we t- take a look at all of that to come up with a solution that works best for that corridor or that intersection. So, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of urban planning planners 
that talk about you know complete streets where mm-hmm. where it's plantings and it's you know large uh, grass areas from the sidewalk to the curb it, you know just they're almost just visual cues mm-hmm. to to tell people hey slow down there's mm-hmm. there's people around where there's bikes around is that does that come into play in any of this i, I think sometimes it does when we are doing our um pendot connects uh, okay. outreach you know so we will talk to the community what do you think your needs are what do you what do you think that this area should look like and what what do you desire here and again we don't make promises but we certainly try to take that into consideration sure sure and we have jill harry she is from the uh, department of transportation for the commonwealth of pennsylvania district one uh, the Northwest region here, region one, I should say. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of cones everywhere. We're, we're wrapping some things up. Yes. You know, the the epic uh, interchange road project in, in which um, interchange Zimmerly and included Zook and included mm-hmm. Route 99. Mm-hmm. I mean, just major improvement in that area. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, how how soon is that going to be done, you think? Or We are coming to the end there. So. What are you working on right now? Do you know? Um, next week, if the weather cooperates, we anticipate some um, additional paving going on there. And we're moving into the final stages there to wrap that project up. That 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 particular area. And, and you know, this is. It was so prone to flooding. There was a mm-hmm. there was a um, a, a drainage issue mm-hmm. that I'm sure you had to remediate. Yes, we fixed that yeah. during this project. That because, was one of the focuses. Yes, because <laughs> it, it made it made the road ripple at, at one mm-hmm. point. There was that much water moving around. Mm-hmm. All right, so interchange road. We can we're going to check that off our list. Also, you're you're working to remediate this this really sad situation that we had um, on Peach near Kunz Road, where where the pedestrians were were uh, killed uh, there because there was no sidewalk, which again, I don't understand all of Mill Creek's um, codes, you know, as far as, you know, where the, what, what was required to have a, a sidewalk, but what are you working on there? Uh, this summer we're planning on making those um, pedestrian improvements in that area that will put a sidewalk along Peach Street there and where the, okay. where the bridges and then also on the Kuntz road um, for a, a little bit of that road. We will also have some, some sidewalk improvements there as well. And are you working on, you're just starting to do the study for the five corners, uh, Oliver and Yeah, we had our public meeting last week um, introduced to the community um, what we would like, what we think would be the best alternative for that intersection to improve safety there and traffic flow as well. And that is an, a roundabout and it has five points there because of mm-hmm. the geometry of the roadway. It's pretty unique in that area. So the community came out. Um, we had we had a fairly large crowd. Did you? Most were very excited and um, very positive about that improvement. And the idea of having a roundabout there was very appealing to them. Yeah, I, to me, that that's your number one because so many people have went off the road there mm-hmm. for some reason they they take that turn too fast mm-hmm. and again it's it's a hard left if you're coming from flower to go on to mm-hmm. oliver and and people just right especially and, young young people they, mm-hmm. they they just drive too fast yeah and through the alternative that we presented of the roundabout there would be a realignment there that would take some of that out again mm. the way um, roundabouts are designed you don't go straight into them you kind of curve into them into okay. the yield and so that slows that traffic down so people won't be missing that stop sign anymore instead they'll be slowing 
as they, you know, yield to enter the roundabout when it's safe to do so. And, and again, yield, um, they'll slowly exit then the roundabout wherever they wanted to go and they won't have to make that hard right anymore. Yeah. And yeah. You uh, also had some great feedback down in Edinburgh and you decided mm -hmm. not for a roundabout yeah. at 6N and 99. Yeah. When we look at these intersection improvements, we always consider a roundabout as part of the process. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that's eliminated and Edinburgh is uh, a, an area where that was. We looked at three different alternatives. One was a roundabout. What we have gone moved forward with as our preferred alternative at this point is just to make some changes to the signalized intersection by adding uh, some turning lanes and, and making some other um, improvements there to, um, to the layout of that area, but not a roundabout. Okay. What, what are some of the other projects? Uh, those are the ones that came to the top of mind, right. but yeah, what, what else? Yeah. The on? construction that's ap actually happening this year, we have uh, our project there on I-79 that's wrapping up. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a multi-year uh, project that started last year. Um, and we are back at it again, and we should be getting the paving underway here shortly. And so Have you cut down all the trees that you're going to cut down? <laughs> Why did I go there? No. <laughs> right, exactly. No. We did remove trees there as part of the safety effort um, to eliminate those uh, fixed object crashes that we were having quite a few of in that area. Again, repeat <laughs> that phrase, fixed object crashes. crashes yes. So, so there's a data set there that you were tracking. Yes, yes. So we there was a... There was a large number of them just in that project area wow. of about 10 miles there where we had um, some fatals and, and other serious crashes. So we, of course, don't want anyone to get hurt when they're mm -hmm. going down the road. So that was the decision that was made to increase that safety clear zone so people can get their car under control prior to striking something like a tree. So, yes, we did some tree trimming in that area. A little bit more planned for this year. Um, it won't be like what you saw last Not year. clear cut or something like that. Um, but yeah, but that project, the paving for that project is, is slated to happen here in the coming weeks. And, okay. and we'll wrap that one up. And meanwhile, we're starting the one out on um, I-90 near the Ohio line. Okay. So um, at this point, we're slated to start removing the current Huntley Road Bridge um, next week. So there'll be some traffic pattern changes on 90 um, in connection with that. As we get that project underway. Do they have enough uh, bridges from the north side of 90 to the south side on the on the West County? I know that was a concern by some of the local officials right. that, yeah, they, did that they would have mm -hmm. to really drive to get over the interstate. Yeah, they look they did, you know, an a, um, inventory there to determine how many bridges were needed for the traffic volume. So, yeah, yeah once we have Huntley um, replaced here. So you're actually replacing Huntley, yes. not just taking it no, out. No, I mean, we have to remove it in order to replace right, it. Right. So we will be removing it, but yeah. we will be replacing it. And it will be a higher bridge. So that okay. hopefully we won't have those um, accidents like we had on Pond Road Bridge mm -hmm. last year where it was struck by a truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The um, and, and then I would imagine you're doing some resurfacing out in, uh, on 90 as well? Or? Yes. So okay. from actually from... Um, I want to make sure I get the mileage right here from zero to three and a half miles. We'll be doing a reconstruction. So that'll okay. take two years to complete. So we'll get started on that a little bit this year and then we'll come back next year and finish it up. Will that mean just single lanes in each, in each that way means for that we'll little be, bit? This year we'll be creating the crossovers okay. so that when we go to do that paving and that um, reconstruction work next year, the traffic will use those crossovers. Okay. So that's, that's a big one that's yeah. coming up. And then we're going to do some paving. Um, from mile, I believe mile 10 to mile 18. Okay. When you consider, uh, again, we talk a lot on this show about, 
you know, just a decline in population. But you're not really seeing a decline in vehicles, tra- miles traveled, are you? We have a, there's a, definitely a lot of tra- uh, vehicle traffic out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, so, the, so like the numbers are going up on miles traveled and, and vehicle travel, uh, vehicle miles. I can tell you. Yeah. Have, uh, do you, you have, is yeah, that a data, have, have data point there? Here. Let me see yeah. if I can find that one for you. Um, because I, I, I know that, you know, more people have cars than maybe they did 40 years ago, mm-hmm. but still. Here in Erie County, on average, vehicle miles travel, travel daily. So this is how many people are traveling on the road and how far they're going. Uh, 4,563,212 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just... Yeah, and, and that's just, just on our going. roads. Yeah, yeah it mm-hmm. just keeps going. So there's lots of traffic out there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. We're, we've got about a minute left. Um, you know, as as far as you know, some of the education points. Obviously, the cell phone is the bane of our existence mm-hmm. right now, isn't it? I mean, just the texting thing. Text, um, it's getting bad. It is one of the distracted driving issues. Yes. So yeah. I think whether you're distracted by your phone or your kids in the car or you're eating something or you're simply just thinking about what you're going to do when you get to your destination, mm-hmm. you're not paying attention to the fact that you're driving. So you need we ask everyone to try to give driving their full attention. So whether you're on the interstate or you're downtown Erie, you know, drive 100 percent of your attention on that task so you can keep yourself another safe. And and the and the concept that you know what when you're in a in a 25 or in a 35, really keep it down because that's mm-hmm. where the pedestrians and right. the cyclists yeah, and the kids are yes. going to be. You know, we don't set those um, speed limits arbitrarily. Right. So if the speed limit is 25, it's because that's the safe speed to be going in that area. Jill Harry from uh, PennDOT, thank you so much for spending the time with yeah, us here. Thanks for having us. And, uh, and again, if they want to find out more about the Bayfront Parkway Project, bayfrontparkwayproject.com or just PennDOT. PennDOT.gov slash District 1. All righty, beautiful. On the phone with us here, um, uh, writer, lecturer, and research consultant Michael Furman. Uh, Michael was involved with the Destination Erie regional planning process. And welcome to TalkErie.com, Michael. Well, thanks for having me, Joel. All righty. So something prompted you to write an uh, op-ed uh, for uh, the Erie Times News. What, what was it? Right. Well, it was um, the PennDOT proposed plan. Uh, to um, abate the congestion or the projection of congestion that we see on the Bayfront Parkway. And, um, you know, when I was working for Destination Erie, I got uh, deep into urban planning. And all the planning that I've read about roundabouts in particular were that they were very effective in right locations, in locations that typically are more in rural or even suburban areas um, where there aren't a lot of pedestrians and a lot of cyclists um, and that real estate is in a premium. So they tend to work really, really well, especially reducing uh, head-on collisions and deaths by cars. Uh, And and the, the Department of Transportation has been really ramping this up since the mid to late 90s. Uh, we see it percolating all over the world and or all over the country. In fact, if you <clears throat> take a look in Waterford, for example, just south of the town of Waterford, they have a, 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 a roundabout there that works fantastic. 
uh, even in Sagertown, there's another roundabout that just recently went in with the exception of a guy going through it. And that's a learning curve, no pun intended, but that's <laughs> what happens right. when you, uh, you know, they work really, really well. But in both of these locations, you don't have a density of people walking, nor do you have people, you know, riding their bike, whether it's through pleasure or, you know, going from A to B. It's a rural suburban kind of environment and they work well. When you when you put a roundabout in a densely populated area, uh, or an area where you're you're really trying to foster pedestrian access to the resources that are around there, and when I mean pedestrian, I also include you know handicapped and cyclists. Then they really don't work that well. Um, and so when I reviewed PennDOT's plan about the idea of putting in three roundabouts, one at Holland State and Sassafras, I was kind of concerned. Uh, so I decided to dig a little deeper and to find out, does this really work? Because, you know, this is, um, once the shovel goes in and these are there, then we have what we have for a very long time. I'll give you an example. In Syracuse, New York, I think back in the 60s or something like that, they put in a highway that went right through the heart of Syracuse. They are now spending hundreds of millions of dollars ripping that out and putting in a boulevard so that people can be drawn to their inner core. That stimulates economic development, diversity, retail, et cetera. And so <clears throat> that's really where my concern is, is what are we going to do at this critical junction of the development of our waterfront and at a point in Erie's history where we're really starting to see the, the development of urban revitalization, right? So we're at a critical time. And infrastructure, moving people from A to B, is really, really important to get right. And so, when I look at the roundabouts in that location, I don't believe that it's the right move forward. Now, it might be right for some of the investors that have developed along the waterfront who want to bring in you know, a heavy degree of traffic and get them in and out as fast as possible. I, I understand that. But the question that one has to ask is, what is the goal of the Erie region? The Erie region, is a, according to the Erie Refocus, their recent comprehensive plan, is regional metropolitan vitality, right? And that, that starts with a strong urban core. And I don't think that, the, the, that roundabouts or the other end of their PennDOT plan is to actually increase the lanes, I think from two or three to four or five. Right. So making it faster uh, and is not always correct, right? Because right. if you make something faster, it actually brings more traffic. So it, ironically enough, and this is a scientifically proven point, is that, you know, induced demand, you know, if you make it faster, people or make it better, people will use it more often. So the long-term goal, really, I think, is what are we going to do with the city of Erie? Not the Bayfront, per se, but the urban core. And that's really what the focus of this is all about. So that's why I wrote, I wrote that to the paper. We're talking to Michael Furman here. Uh, he uh, was the, uh, you know, the project manager for Destination Erie. Michael, as part of that, uh, of that role that you had there, um, now it's got to be five, six years ago now, the, um, the, the concept of all of these different plans talked about the, the concept of a complete street. 
And I'm I'm looking right, at right. Re- Erie Refocus right now, and right on uh, right on the same page where it says, uh, just like you were talking, how do we how can Erie build a strong regional core? It talks about institute a waterfront development pattern that prioritizes pedestrian comfort and mixed use vitality. And, and what we've been hearing is that uh, when it comes to roundabouts, for example. That that is not a, a mixed use scenario. That's more that's an auto only kind of scenario. Well, it, it, it's not completely auto centric, but it it is primarily auto centric. Roundabouts don't fare well when you're um, riding your bicycle and you're trying to navigate this, or you're trying to walk. You have to kind of go out of your way. And when people who are driving enter in a roundabout, they're not thinking necessarily about the pedestrians that are lurking around the sides. They're thinking about what other car is inside so that I can either exit or enter. And so there, it's, it's a built-in scenario where it doesn't work really well for, 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 for pedestrians. In fact, Minnesota, um, actually one of the states in, in the union that has more bicycle riding in, than any other city uh, in St. Paul and Minneapolis, have seen a huge spike in, you know, what they call kind of bumper-to-bumper accidents um, for cars, and more importantly, with pedestrians. Five miles an hour or 10 miles an hour, and you're hitting a car with your other car, it's a bumper, it's a fender bumper, but you hit a pedestrian or you hit a cyclist doing five to 10 miles an hour, that's a significant hit. So, um, but I do want to say that, you know, PennDOT, you know, they're not the boogeyman, right? right? They are, these people are really smart, they're really well-trained, and they're really trying to do what they've been uh, educated and employed to do, and that is to abate traffic. And they've done a great job doing that, right? They want to make it safe, and they want to make it, you know, fast, or at least to abate traffic, or congestion, I should say. But they're not in the business of economic urban redevelopment, Right. And so they are one tool that can help that revitalization process, right? And so that's where PennDOT really needs to rethink, in my opinion, what's the best use of that $30 million that's actually in the pipeline to be used to, in, to improve the Bayfront Parkway? And, and my argument is, why not take that $30 million and plow it right in to pedestrian bridges? Mm-hmm. Now, pedestrian bridges have been a part of the narrative in master plans for the past 10 to 15 years. If you go back and you take a look at the Port Authority's plan in 2009, 2017, uh, the Downtown Partnership Plan, it rolled out in 2017, the Erie Recomp the, uh, Plan from Erie, they all, all talk specifically about pedestrian access over the Bayfront Corridor. Why? Because you need to connect these two resources in order for a better return on investment for everybody, not just one entity, right? And I think that's really where I think PennDOT, if they can kind of break out of the box a little bit and see how could we do this, I think the benefit of the community, that means both the city and those that have an invested interest on the waterfront can actually benefit. We can have a better metropolitan region for that. The big question is, who owns it, Yeah. right? PennDOT has actually said that they're considering, you know, building them. They could probably pay for them. But what entity, read the plan, what entity is going to own that? So that's really a big question. That's a legitimate question. Should it be the city? Should it be some of the authorities? The question is, okay, if someone is going to benefit from these pedestrian accesses across the Bayfront, then maybe a collective could, could happen. 
right? Instead of saying, well, maybe uh, the ENTA, because they're about public transportation, they should own them. Or maybe the Port Authority, because they own most of the, the bluffs and they own a lot of the property that maybe they should pay for them. Or the Convention Center Authority, maybe they should pay for them. Or the city. Or maybe a collective, right? A certain portion of each of these budgets can be plowed back into one of the authorities, maybe EMTA, who then the responsibility is to take care of the pedestrian bridges. So there are solutions, but there needs to be a dialogue about those solutions. And I don't think we're at that point. Well, we're trying to facilitate it right here. Michael, you know, I want to ask about this, again, this concept of a, a complete street and the idea that um, I remember being in meetings and things where it was mentioned from PennDOT that they were they were redoing 12th Street to be the main east-west corridor and that the Bayfront Parkway and the Bayfront Connector were mere access uh, highways that should be have a, you know, and some people think they should really lower the speed limit so it's not like a thoroughfare down there but but now you have a lot of uh, a lot of new amenities that are coming up and there's going to be a lot of people trying to get out so how do you how do you you know the public saying one thing the planners are saying something else how do you come together well that's well uh, of course you have to have dialogue and you have to have consistent dialogue even when dialogue is controversial and it can be contentious it's really important that we have more of these dialogues, specifically not just with PennDOT, but with those entities that will, you know, hopefully benefit from this. This includes, you know, for example, Hammett or Erie Insurance. You know, these are two uh, companies that have a lot of people that use that Bayfront for cross-town traffic, right? You need to have conversations with entities such as Port Authority, Convention Center Authority, et cetera. And really talk, think about, okay, what's the long-term benefit of the improvements on the Bayfront? That's really key. Then you ask the question, really, what is the purpose of this Bayfront Parkway? And if you go back in time, it really it started in the 1950s as a highway. In fact, it was called the Bayfront Highway right up until the late 90s when it changed to uh, the connector that took it back up to Interstate 90, right? Um, at that point, you, we have to say, what was the purpose of the Bayfront Highway or Connector? And that is basically to connect us with Pittsburgh into Erie and to move people down to the Bayfront, whether it's for commercial. Remember, at that time in the 50s and 60s, we still had you know, the coal docks there. So really, it was for kind of that traffic. But a lot of planners also saw it as the, you know, identifying the trends that were happening in America where waterfront development was really starting to take off. Think of Baltimore, for example, and that was starting to take off in the 50s and 60s, at least the thought of that. You know, as industry started to wane and be exported over to other countries, waterfronts were now all of a sudden a, a, a neat idea to kind of revitalizing down, down, you know, downtown areas. The CBCs were not doing well, right? So highways were a way to kind of connect that. It was never, ever intended for cross town traffic. Mm. That was something that always, it was part of, as you said, 12th Street. In fact, if you read one of the reports that came out last year by the Downtown Partnership, and this is a, a company that is keenly connected to the you know, businesses that are in the urban core. So that means they've talked to one another about this. They've had their consultants who did this, who did this plan that did public engagement. And here's what it said, traffic congested and speed. And I'm quoting this, 
Although some people would prefer to travel faster on the parkway, most people feel that the parkway should be a calm and pleasant drive along the bay, and that traffic, trying to get across town as quickly as possible, could take an alternative route, most likely 12th Street. And I think that is really the core of it. We do have Interstate 5 or Interstate 20. That really was always designed for cross-town traffic. Joel, think about it. What is one of the most beautiful thoroughfares in Erie County? I mean, you can argue there's quite a few, you know, Route 6, et cetera. Sure. But when you go down along that waterfront and you look out over that vista, whether it's, you know, 10 inches of ice and fishermen are out there, fisher people are out there fishing, or whether it's, you know, a beautiful day where you have boats and jet skis, it is one of the most pristine and beautiful drives in all of Erie County and maybe even the state of Pennsylvania. It's just beautiful. Well, and, and the, 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 think, the thing to think of, too, is that it, it is our distinctive. When you talk to somebody like a Charles Buki, it's like, what sets Erie apart? It's that drive. It, that is part of That's the right. Erie experience that is a differentiator for Erie. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's exactly that. that you're, you're exactly right. So if we know that that is one of our primary assets, wouldn't we agree that making that the most pleasing, the most beautiful, you know, drive or walk or riding your bicycle that we can possibly do? You know, stats show that if you're trying to build mixed use, you can't do it next to a highway. People just don't want to live next to a highway, right? Yeah. So if we're all trying to build, you know, mixed use, whether it's down along the Bayfront or in these two neighborhoods, east and west neighborhood, uh, Bayfront, you need to create something that's beautiful, pleasing, attractive. You know, and, and scientifically, when we walk through a boulevard, whether it's in Champs-Élysées or whatever it may be, it's a pleasing feeling to have that kind of, you feel special as a person. There's, there's a really nice feeling. You don't feel that when you're next to a car doing 45, 50 miles an hour. And that's often the case with speed on the Bayfront Parkway. So I think you're right. I would like to see the name change to maybe something like the Bayfront Boulevard, right? Yeah. Because the boulevard suggests something that is pedestrian-oriented, right? And, and I think that's really where the core is. We have to ask the question again and again and again. Theory is dying in a lot of ways. And it's going to grow by bringing people back into the urban core to live, right? Yep. And when you bring people back to the urban core to live, then businesses will start to come, retail, interesting shops, et cetera. We cannot continue to have a city where people that live outside drive in, work, maybe go to a show or a ball game, and drive back out. We have to have people who say, wow, I have this pedestrian bridge in our West Bayfront. And that means I don't have to take my car. I can take my kids. We can walk across the bridge, and we can go for a walk along the Bayfront. You don't have to race across, you know, the parkway and, and, you know, try to, you know, run away from cars. And this is the same for East Bayfront neighborhood, right? If you can create these infrastructures that connect these neighborhoods, now think about it. Your insurance has invested mightily in the East Bayfront neighborhood. If you go down in that area, you know, you have these restored houses on 6th Street, you know, the Von Busick house, the Judicole house, you know, Best is talking about bringing back the three-fourths of Presque Isle. This is a neighborhood that Erie Insurance is investing in significantly. Why? Because they want to have their employees 
live in this neighborhood. Now, if you give those employees access to the waterfront, now you're starting to have something that is really unique. What, what city can say, hey, I'm working in downtown, I'm living on sports and, you know, Myrtle, and I can take my kids down to the waterfront. That is really special. So I think that's really what's stake. You got $30 million in the pipeline. Yeah. I would say, let's put them towards something that actually will allow the city to grow. And Bayfront Parkway with roundabouts, faster lanes, I don't think that's the way. Thank you so much, Michael Furman. We appreciate your, your uh, input on this. Uh, I do have one last question, just totally random. What do you think about the Urban Land Institute's idea of that one street of State Street? Because that's the other part of this is state, you know, getting people connected to the Bayfront via state. You know, they talked about a tram and all this other stuff. Any ideas there? Well, I mean, I spent three years, about almost three years working in Germany uh, after I graduated from uh, college, and I never owned a car. It was all public transportation. I mean, we took the tram, Schlossenbahn, you know, and it was phenomenal, really. And now if you had a big purchase and you had to borrow somebody's truck or something like that, that I could get that. But public transportation, you know, in terms of transit is great. Problem is, we just don't have the density of people to do that. Okay. You know, once Erie gets to the point of that density, and Cleveland's tried to do it, hasn't really worked. A lot of other cities have done it. You need uh, really a dense community. Now, Europe, by and large, got a lot of density, right? Yeah. So it works there. Yeah, we, 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 um, it's aspirational, but maybe not just yet. Yeah. Michael well, Furman. It's about a, it's, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll get you off there. Well, it's just about prioritizing. And, and again, I just want to reiterate, Joel, I think, you know, it, that this is a really critical move uh, that we're uh, up against. You know, that, that there is money in the pipeline from PennDOT. I think they're doing a great job. They've, they've done some really great work convincing them that, you know, that resources that's available really needs to be positioned in a way that allows the city to grow. And quite frankly, it reflects all of the consultants' master plans for the past 10 to 15 years. So let's do it. Today we're talking about that uh, that very special, I think it's the most important intersection in our community, especially f- when we talk about our future, and that is the intersection of State and Bayfront Parkway. And so we've talked to uh, uh, the uh, folks at PennDOT. Uh, they shared what they've been working on. Again, they have a $30 million project down along the bayfront huge huge deal one of the one of the greatest investments uh that PennDOT uh, will make in recent memory and we also and uh, so they're talking about that and what and what you know the all the data sets that they have collected all of the uh, connections um you know with individuals as they've uh, received feedback at public meetings and so on we also talked to Michael Furman who wrote an article in uh the Erie Times News and Go Erie you know, because he felt like, you know what, I, there's a there's a different way to look at this. You know, if you, you know, if you build it, that just means more traffic. And so he, he has some thoughts about getting getting the um, getting the, the traffic to slow down and making it more of, of a boulevard, making it more um, uh, connected to pedestrians and cyclists and so on. And so uh, right now we want to bring in Adam Trott. He is the president of Bike Erie's board of directors, also a local uh, architect. And and Adam, welcome to the Joel Natale program. So glad Thanks. you're here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And so uh, let, let's get some background here. It's a, it's a family show. Um, 
Did you grow up here in Erie, or are you transplanted? How'd you get here? Yeah, I'm an Erie native. Um, the schools I went to no longer exist. Oh. <laughs> I was, uh, uh, well, except for Lincoln. I went to Lincoln for, okay. for kindergarten, but I'm a Holy Rosary and a Canty Prep. You were alum. Canty Prep, huh? Yeah. yeah. We were actually the last class. I was going to say, did you, did you, so you graduated from Canty Prep. So the kids after you went to either Mercyhurst or Prep usually. Yeah. I remember when all those Canty Prep kids came to Mercyhurst Prep. I was a uh, class of 80. So you must've been 79, right? No, class of 80. You were 80. We okay. Were so, you, okay. They were last ones. Okay. They must've been coming in for, for the 81 class. Gotcha. All yeah. right. Yeah. I, I remember I rode bus with Canty Prep kids all the time because <clears throat> I was coming up from Little Italy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so um, I went to Penn State for okay. architecture yeah. and then I went out and explored Southern California for a year and then cut my young professional teeth in Boston. Is that right? And came back here in 1990. Yeah. I, have, I have a friend who's an architect and um, uh, loves to travel and draw. Is that something that you, you do sometimes or especially places like Boston, I would think the uh, the architecture is amazing. Uh, well, Boston's a great town to be an architect because it's such an informed town with MIT and Harvard and yeah. the Boston Architectural Center. But um, you're trained to talk visually and sketching your thoughts okay. and, and, and training how to express your thoughts through sketch is why a lot of architects have that bug. They just love to sketch their ideas and sketch during a discussion. Yeah. Uh, totally random, uh, but you're the first architect to come on the air with us. So how do you feel that uh, the architecture here uh, in recent years has been in Erie? Are, are we, are we, uh, are we aspirational enough with our design? Um, every architect in town that I know of is aspirational. Uh, the restraints we have is that the appraised real estate value of the area is so low that you don't really have much to work with unless your client is a kind that does not rely on appraised value like a university, a hospital, a government building, you know, and, and then when you see the buildings that are most inspirational in town, they're the ones that were built that did not rely on that yeah. hospitals, universities, the Trek center, that kind of thing. You know, uh, the Erie art museum did an amazing job of uh, blowing through that restraint and making the value of the Institute of Art to transcend those kinds of mm -hmm. development restraints. And uh, they, they have a great project. Erie Insurance, of course, doesn't care about appraised value. Right. So we have examples in town, but most of the time, the architects in town, they're, they're negotiating that challenge of making structures that are worthy while making them still practical budget-wise. Not, not, to, not to beat up on generations past, but I'll never forget the specific conversation over the central fire station. Again, here is a, here is a you know, what something you would think would be an aspirational building. You know, it's, it is the, it is the home of our fire chief and so on, right there in the center of downtown. And city council said, if you spend more than one penny, more than a million dollars on that building, we were not going to pay for any. I mean, they, they just were being unrealistic and, and because stuff costs money. So what they end up building basically looks like a, a, a manufactured metal building. Yeah, uh, that was a Weber Murphy Fox project. And they did the best they could with what they were given. Yeah. 
Um, and yes, there, there was criticism about it. Um, some of it was to the architect and some of it should have been to the process that did that. I mean, you can compare that building to any of the firehouses that were before the second world war that we have sprinkled around town and they're gorgeous. Now we had the oddball flat roof brick block firehouses that, you know, Pete street. And we had one across the street from us at Holy Rosary, you know, those were pretty minimalist Mm -hmm. compared to what they used to build. Um, But yeah, it's all evidence of the economy evolution that has shaped our built environment well charles buki says that uh we got to stop doing things on the cheap yeah yeah you're you're only worth as much as you think you are and if you think you're only worth that much money then that's what you end up being worth and again i don't don't mean to run down previous generations but i just remember those 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 uh public conversations of city councilmen basically telling the architect what to do or you know, how to design, you know, what's something that you would have thought would be a little bit aspirational. Yes. And, and, and that's a good example of business interests uh, superseding the interests of institution and community and civic organizations. Yeah. Let's pivot. Let's go to bikes. You're, you're a big biker. Mm. I, I've always felt, and again, I'm not a big biker, but uh, I admire those that are on uh, motor, um, bicycles. The idea that um, Erie with it being on the Lake Plain should be one of those really high density bicyclist kinds of towns. Yeah. The, the way the geography is east to west is amazingly accommodating for bicycles. North to south is where the true rigorous bicyclists can make that journey because, you know, going south, it's all uphill. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, so, so yes. um, And, and as a result, the east west routes are a lot more user friendly than Mm -hmm. the north south routes. And we're working on, on changing that. How is, is this picking up? I mean, are we, are we kind of uh, riding a wave of bike bicyclists in Erie? It's it's gaining a lot of momentum, and the issue we have in front of us is to take uh, to acknowledge how that's gaining, and implement that in how we make infrastructure decisions moving forward. Yeah, and um, I, I will tell you, uh, we have twelve people on the Bike Erie board. They're all workhorses. They they work like crazy. Uh, we're doing advocacy. We're doing events. All that stuff. And um, I, I'm, I'm finding that much like national trends often influence Erie and sometimes the debate in Erie refuses to acknowledge that, hey, some of this is not our fault. It's national trend. <laughs> right. stuff. Well, in this case, it's a positive trend. Mm. And between pollution, infrastructure, health and community cohesiveness, the the proliferation of bike infrastructure is fitting perfectly into where we want to be down the road. Uh, we're talking to Adam Trot. He is the president of Bike Erie. If you have a question or comment, 679-1080 is our uh, call-in line, 679-1080. And, uh, and Adam, you know, the, the topic at hand is the Bayfront Parkway. And, um, you know, that is some of the most beautiful vistas that we have in the city. And bikes want to be involved there. What What is the state of, of the situation now? Do the bikes stay on that kind of that universal path that's along the Bayfront? Well, I ride that 
often. And uh, the, the, the issue from a biker's uh, or a bicyclist's experience is that there are uh, segments of that rec trail because essentially that's what it is. It's a rec trail following the Bayfront Connector Highway. Which would technically be normally uh, just for pedestrians. Is that correct or not necessarily? Uh, it depends what speed you're going. Okay. See, if, if a bicyclist is going, say, nine, up to nine or 10 miles an hour, you're still kind of okay to be mingling with pedestrians. But w- when you get into the teens or, or higher, you're definitely on the road. But in the teens, it's awkward. Um, mm. So you really need to start to consider getting out of the pedestrian way and on the road at that point. Is there room for you on the road, though? I mean, not on I the mean, Bayfront Parkway. I was not say, as it people exists. People speed on the yeah. Bayfront, and and granted, it also depends what time you're doing it because the the wreck path has a population on it uh, in in kind of waves and and spurts and okay. and so yeah, choosing your time can can make a difference. I would I would think that uh, as as cycling becomes more of kind of just embedded in our dna here in erie people want to use that for their commute you know for what six eight months out of the year really i mean really when we think about it you know uh, and and cheney has friends they they have the snow tires they're they're 12 monthers you know yeah yeah the nice thing about the fat tires is they're also beach friendly oh nice so you have groups that actually ride them out on the beach and then they don't have to change in the winter. They've, they've already got it set. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Um, the, the rec trail, uh, what I was uh, trying to complete was that there are certain parts of it. And, and let's just focus on the downtown portion. There are certain parts of it that are fine um, for a bicycle. But oftentimes, there's no protected bike lane, per se. You're yeah. right on the edge of a threat. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful of that. You got to be aware, of course. Uh, pretty much, more most bicyclists are aware. But um, then there's what we call the broken link at State Street. Okay, where you're coming to the convention center, and then you have to go <laughs> in this uh, back alley up a zigzaggy trail that's oh. only like three feet wide and with ninety degree corners in it, and you get through the putt putt parking lot and then you end up at the wolverine terminal driveway to the bait shop and a putt-putt and then you have to cross and find your way down to um it used to be the road that went through to yeah. the library but that's now taken by the, the the hotel project so you have to go north of that along the water and work your way around the the geese and ducks and boats and then back past the the brig wow. niagara and then you pick up the rec trail at the intermodal center. So that's the broken link. And what we're hoping for is last year, the city got a quarter of a million dollars to improve its biking infrastructure uh, and, and give credit. Uh, although I'm very critical of the Senate administration, he did get that. Mm-hmm. And it was handed to the Schember administration. And we're anxious to see how they implement that money. My understanding was they were going to reinvigorate the 6th Street bike lane, which is oh. the only bike lane in Erie, is on 6th Street, Right, uh, that they were going to uh, refresh that. And since there was repaving done on the west side, that just was perfect timing, right? And then the other 
uh, main focus that they were looking at was to address that broken link. Okay. And uh, it's, it's worth noting that uh, that link is also influenced by all the work the Scots are doing down there. Mm-hmm. And we had something happen a few years ago that was very encouraging. The Scots provided Bike Erie with their master plan for bicycle routing through that whole Harbor Place development. Wow. And that encouraged us to send them a letter of support when they were petitioning uh, Harrisburg for some tax relief. So uh, it, it was a, we reviewed it. The plan made a lot of sense. So we supported it. And we're kind of hoping that sets a standard for other development projects to follow. Talking to Adam Trot, he is the uh, Bike Erie Board of Directors president. And uh, so, Adam, I, you know, what I'm interested in is, you know, um, if we're going to become this kind of this super bike friendly town of Erie, Pennsylvania, you really have to have a decent way to get to the amenities. So downtown, is it, is it easy to get to the coffee shops and, and, and to work at Erie Insurance or at Hammett on a bike? Yeah, right now it's reasonable because the, um, the traffic uh, volume and behavior is not that bad. Um, we are seeing uh, a growing interest of the downtown businesses and companies uh, paying more attention to facilitating the use of bicycles. And the commuter population on, on bicycles is growing. Uh, Erie Insurance is a, is a very attentive company to that. Uh, so, so they've been very helpful. Uh, the small ones like Lavery Brewery, you know, they're looking into what can we do to be more friendly to bikes? Uh, kind of the, the, the cool small yeah, companies, right. they get it. So then the issue becomes, um, how does the place show itself to people who are interested in that? Because basically, uh, we strongly believe that it's going to take implementing bike infrastructure to help the downtown renaissance where people start moving back into town and the whole focus about if you really want people to live here then you have to uh, proceed with infrastructure decisions that prioritize in-town residents over suburbanites and and out-of-towners Right. We had the same exact conversation with uh, John Buckna, uh, Buchna from uh, uh, from, you know, Erie, Erie Downtown uh, Partnership. The, the, the concept of being, um, you know, of not pro- that that the goal of the downtown streets is not to get everybody out of downtown as quick as possible after the Philharmonic or after the Seawolves game or after work. But it's idea of a complete street. So I want to talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, in your opinion, what is a complete street? What does that mean? And would that enhance uh, bicyclists and, and all pedestrians? Too? Yeah, they, the, the basic um, understanding of a complete street is you look at every mode of transportation that uses a street. And it's important to point out a street is different from a road. A street is community-based. A road connects different communities that are apart, okay? So roads are more vehicle-focused naturally for that reason. But streets, to be a complete street, 
you take every mode of, of travel on that street, the truck, the car, the bus, the bicyclist, the, the motorized wheelchair, the skateboardist, the scooter, and the pedestrian, and you make sure all of them feel welcome on that street. That is how you achieve a complete street. So the thing that, that we're very gratefully gifted by is we have a lot of streets that already have the width you need to be a complete street. Okay, so there's that, some minimums that you need to deal with here. Yes, and, and fortunately, our forefathers gave us those minimums in the way they planned Erie. So we don't have to do major infrastructure upheaval. We just simply have to appoint it differently. And, and, and uh, it sounds like you would start somewhere, whether it is, you know, whether it's, okay, uh, we want 6th Street, you know, going to Erie Insurance, or maybe, maybe you do that Bayfront, you know, East and West Bayfront thing along, you know, coming out, uh, emanating from Perry Square to the other two parks and making those more complete. So, because the buses are running there, you want the bikes to run there and you want, uh, you know, safe uh, pedestrians uh, to walk there, right? Yeah, there, there are some incredibly charming portions uh of streets in erie uh, like take for example uh, 10th street mm, okay mm. there there's discussions about when you go from state to parade and calling that the international corridor oh cool okay because there's a lot of cool stuff on that stretch of 10th right the thing that blows your mind is you have a sufficiently wide paved street or as they call it a cart path where the vehicles are right then on either side, you have 20-foot width of front parkway or front lawn. Then you have a 10-foot wide sidewalk. So you've got a ton of infrastructure width by, by which or by width that you can have the protected bike lane, uh, still have your parking, have umpteen room for, for pedestrians. Everybody can be separated and protected and you don't have to reconstruct everything. And you're leaning into, if it's an international corridor, uh, many of our new Americans, they, they just want to walk. That's what they're accustomed to. And so uh, it, it really would fit very well culturally as well. Yeah. And there's uh, the big issue of uh, equality and social justice. Yeah. If you have complete streets, then every economic level is welcome on that street. We're down to our last minute. Uh, let's talk about what we can do with the Bayfront Parkway. Do you, do you think that uh, we can work together with PennDOT to continue our conversations to make the Bayfront more uh, friendly for pedestrians, for transit, for bicycles? The, the big challenges with the Bayfront Parkway is that uh, PennDOT has been trained for all these decades yeah. to equate vehicles to commerce and, and economic vitality, right? So we've learned now that that is not true, and we need to make communities that are cohesive and welcoming. So it, regarding the Bayfront Parkway, the roundabouts don't work when you're in a dense area that mm. has all kinds of travel. They're better when they're out like, for example, the south end of yeah. Waterford, right? Yeah. So we're very concerned about the roundabouts and, and how they're built and the capacity, the, the amount of vehicles on that stretch downtown. I mean, you're talking from 12th to the lower bayfront, 39,000 vehicles a day in that wow. one section. 
Thanks for tuning in to the allnewtalkerie.com. Our conversation is about the Bayfront Highway, the Bayfront Parkway, the Bayfront Connector, that iconic connection at Bayfront and State. And we're, we held uh, Adam Trot over. Uh, he is the president of Bike Erie because Adam brought his maps with him. And so anybody with maps is, is fine by me. So, Adam, you're talking about, you know, just the traffic levels that are, you know, when we're trying to accommodate pedestrians and bicyclists, you know, you, you still have to deal with the reality of there's a lot of vehicles that are on the Bayfront Parkway. Yeah, to give you a sense, the 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 east connector that cuts through the east side and and you know our viaduct neighborhood that we fought for, th- that area gets fourteen thousand cars a day, okay, according to PennDOT's own data. When you go downtown, um, that gets added on by cars coming off of Sixth Street and Twelfth Street onto the Bayfront to get downtown, right, mm-hmm. or to the other side of town. When you get to, you go through downtown, you get to the west end, and then you've got like 38,000 cars coming up a day on 79, and they're, they're joining what's coming in on the, the west side and, and from in town and whatnot. And the most critical point of the Bayfront Parkway is between 12th and the actual Bayfront. That's a 39,000 car per day area. That's it's a incredible. heck of a volume. And that is without Harbor Place and the GAF site being developed. Right. So there's the scary issue. And, is, and again, we can't blame yeah. PennDOT for saying, you know, right now those, those uh, intersections are going to be a D to an F on level of service. That's what they're, that's what they're seeing in front of them, right? Right. And, and here's the rub about level of service. Um, it is blind to bikes and pedestrians. It's all about how quick can a car get through there. So it's essentially incentivizing cars to go faster and don't stop. So you're mixing that and you're putting it gashing right through what Buki said is the most important connection, which is downtown to the Bayfront. Yeah. And we've got, you know, it's a very peculiar circumstance here in Erie. I, I often say Erie has everything a big city has only at Erie scale. Okay. So in our case, we have a Bayfront highway that's cutting off the downtown from the Bayfront. Meanwhile, there are cities all over the country that are removing their waterfront fracturing highways. Yeah. You know, Boston's big dig. Portland in 1974, Milwaukee in 2002, Rochester in 2018, Seattle in 2019. I mean, these people, these cities have said, we're done with, with accommodating these heavy polluting corridors from fracturing our city from where we want to be. So, so the idea is change your focus completely. Prioritize city residents first and what makes their quality of life the best. And then so people from the suburbs and out-of-town tourists, they're secondary. Because until you do that, you are not going to make city uh, Erie a more livable city. You really have to prioritize that. Once you do that, you'll, you'll learn the people coming in for a convention. They're going to drive in. They're going to park the car. If you've done it right, they're going to park the car for two, three days, and it's just going to sit there. And they're going to be able to walk or bus to any attraction in town they want to be at. And, you know, the trolley bus is kind of charming, right? Yeah. So 
if you do that, you will find that, that these car volumes are going to start to decrease because you have made it where they, they just park it once. We don't need the tourists to have a parking spot at the hotel, at the restaurant, at the convention center, at the Philharmonic, at the playhouse, you know, mm-hmm. just one car in one parking spot. So now we've, we've decreased the amount of parking space that gets unused. We decrease the actual automobile count and flow, and these volumes start to decrease. The big nut of all this is decreasing the commuter volume on the Bayfront Parkway. So, so I agree with Mike Furman. Boulevard it, quiet it down, uh, and, and give people other choices on, on how to get from point A to point B. And once and we're we, talking east to west, basically. Right, right. Because yeah. north to south ends at the bay. Right. Let me just, let me just push back a little bit here because mm-hmm. some of the some of the greatest volumes do come from accessing the assets that are on the bayfront. The whole idea, again, I've, I've been waving this flag. You know, the bayfront parkway is to access the bayfront. So whether it is a great Tuesdays at Liberty Park, or it's you know going to the commencement for Collegiate Academy or for McDowell or whatever at the the bayfront convention center. Uh, or, or, you know, the home and garden show or, or, you know, getting an ice cream at the Bicentennial Tower or going to the future Harbor Place or to Blasco. We all have to go there. And I guess what you're advocating is if I'm a if I'm a suburbanite, I park and ride or 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 what, what are you saying? I'm advocating. Disneyland. I'm advocating you go one spot. You park your car and you're not worried about getting anywhere else because it's all there. You can pull your bike out and bike everywhere. You know, the, the beauty of Erie is you can bike almost anywhere within 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. from wherever you are. That's amazing. But, but here's the idea. Uh, and you bring up Eight Great Tuesdays. Great example. When uh, we do a free bike valet to encourage people to bicycle to Eight Great Tuesdays. Okay. And what we see is, of course, the buses from the, the stop and ride, like the Hoffman stop and sure, ride. Yeah. They're bringing people all the time in, and every bus is eliminating 10 to 20 cars. So first off, you're reducing that way. Then the other charming thing is that we stand there and we look up to the bluff and we see the stream of people coming down that new bluff trail oh. that, that drops you off near the cobblestone inn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I've done this myself. When you go up that trail and you're at the foot of Cascade, tons of cars all over that area. And there's a park there. So you're not. Right. You're not, you're not on somebody's, uh, somebody's house. Yeah. And then that also puts you there. So after eight great Tuesdays, if you still want to visit or somebody mm-hmm. with somebody, you might pick one of the local bars or something to hang out right. and, and still catch up. So here's the thing. Get you out of your car, get you to experience the community that's already here. And if we can incentivize people to park up on the bluff and come down, which means we need more connections, right? Right, right. Th- those, those overhead pedestrian linkages that you yeah, talk about. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're increasing the value of those areas because they're getting more traffic, mm-hmm. uh, walk-in and, and such. So there's, it's all laying on the table, just waiting for us to implement it and make it a much better community. Are we, are we able to have these conversations? Uh, you know, is, is uh, cities, uh, economic development uh, folks and, 
and you know guys like you and guys like Michael Furman and Penda. I mean, are we all sitting down to kind of uh, put our best uh, 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 brains behind getting? Because again, I feel like we got to get this one really, really right. Yeah, I, in general, PennDOT is very open and accessible to work with. Okay. Yeah. The, the question is that, that when the feedback gets to them, how are they processing it and acting on it? And, and they tend to, to decline back into the old models. So, so here's what my biggest concern about the Bayfront is. I want City Hall to get involved. Right mm-hmm. now, City's Hall, City Hall's position is, well, that's a PennDOT thing. We have nothing to do with it. That is completely the wrong position. They have to step forward and defend the residents and quality of life of the Erie City residents and and work with PennDOT to better what's happening here. Because right now, PennDOT's not focused on residents. They're focused on out-of-towners and making sure they're not to blame for Harbor Place and GAF for going down yeah, and yeah. not happening. And, and I would imagine that, you know, that Casey Wells has something to say about this at the that the Scots have something to say about this as well, because they do need to have access to their amenities once they build them out. Yeah. And, and I, I will suggest that I mean, they're already building uh, ramps. I mean, there's how many ramps do we have down on the Bayfront? The Scots are very smart people. Yes, absolutely. And the way that they situated their development across the street from Hammett with the big entity of UPMC now wanting to evolve Hammett and raise the standard of that facility as a bigger and bigger uh, healthcare facility, right? Sure. Perfect. Like, like they say in real estate, location, 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 yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. The GAF site has a little more of a challenge. And the GAF site is also further challenged with the fact that they need a lot of upfront investment to get the infrastructure there to support development. But here's the rub. If it's done right, then everybody that uses those facilities with the exception of an out-of-town convention, they will not have to have their car down there. They can come right down off the bluff into there or right downtown. That's why those connections are so important. And to give you a three-dimensional understanding of what we have, uh, when you look at big cities, uh, their riverfronts, right? Mm-hmm. Like take Chicago, for example. Sure. Chicago's been evolving their riverfront into multi-level. So you're up on street level, but then there's an, an intermediate level of development going on before you hit the water level, okay? What we have on the north end of Erie is half a riverfront. And across the bay, we have our Great Lakes version of Florida, a sandbar, right? Right, right, yeah. Which is a beautiful ecological reserve along with the beaches. So we've got these great geographical assets, and we have to start thinking of the bayfront. The bluff is not a barrier. It's an asset by which, for example, when you need to get over a highway, you need to get people up, need to get them across, and then back down, right? Right. With the bluff... Half of that's already at grade. Yeah, right. You just have to step on it and then just get and down then on the other over. side. Wow. That's, that's a, that, that saves us a ton of money. It sure does. <laughs> so, so, you know, there, there's, there's opportunities there that we want to have part of the discussion. So we're very as smart as we can be about how we do this. We're at the end of our time. Thank you so much for hanging in with us, Adam. Adam Trot, he's the president of 
uh, Bike Erie, also uh, an activist and architect. And uh, great to great to get your perspective here. And again, I hope that we can. I hope that this is not where we slip into silos. I hope that we can really be open-handed and with good cheer and civility, really wrestle these issues down because this is super important stuff. Three cheers for that, Joel. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much.